Awesome. Thank you, Noah. Hey, guys, my name's Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central, and I'm glad you guys are here with us. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Man, I ate, probably over the week, I ate an entire pumpkin pie um, with an entire uh, can of or tub of whipped cream. Anybody else? Anybody else with me? Okay. Pumpkin pie or pecan pie? Pumpkin pie? Okay, pecan pie. Oh, you guys are terrible. Okay. Well, hey, I'm glad you guys are here um, during this Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you guys if you're online um, hanging out with us as well. If you'd like to follow along with today's message, just scan the QR code, any of the screens right there, or you use our, our church center app, and you can um, follow along with today's message and uh, take notes there. Also, if you're in one, in one of our many in-home small groups, at the end of the notes that you guys can access this way, uh, there's a like discussion guide questions um, for different small groups. In fact, my, scroll, my small group meets at 6.30 tonight, and so we'll be talking about um, the sermon, how terrible it was, and, um, and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be great. Um, so thank you guys for being here. Hey, last week we, we started this new um, sermon series called Happy Camper. And so it's this idea that when you're going camping, there's all sorts of different people at the campground. you got the people that are staying in a tent, right? And you have people that are staying in a, uh, a pop-up uh, travel trailer, maybe a mid-sized travel trailer. And then you got people that are in these multi-million dollar RVs. And it's People all throughout the different spectrum. And, and the question for us is, when is enough enough? You know, like what is actually going to make us feel okay with what we actually have? And so last week we talked about how you and I, we love our stuff, right? And honestly, we're addicted to the things that we have. And Jesus knows this. It was the same way 2,000 years ago as it is today. And so Jesus tells a story in the Gospel of Luke about a rich farmer. And we learned, and Jesus taught us, that, that life is not measured by the amount of things that you have, right? There's more to life than just the accumulation of your things. And one of the greatest gifts that we can give God is margin in our lives. And margin comes from being content with what we have. So we have we have some, a little bit extra money in the bank account because we, we say no to some things. We have a little bit of extra time on our schedule because we've said no to things. We have some margin in our life because we're okay with what we have. In fact, in 1 Timothy, we learned that, um, that contentment is the key to everything. And so we're going to go and look at 1 Timothy again today on the screen behind me. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, 1 Timothy chapter 6, okay? So <clears throat> I told you two things last week. One is we're going to get kind of practical today about how we can um, deal with our, our stuff and what our heart has to say um, to our things and to God. And also, if you were at the business meeting last Sunday evening, it was over two hours long, okay? And so at the end of the business meeting, I said, hey, thank you guys for being here. We're going to be brief this next Sunday. So that's two promises right there. Then we're going to get practical today, and today's sermon is going to be, going to be um, a little bit shorter than normal. Okay, so here we go. First Timothy chapter 6. We're going to jump in, and this is the very end of Paul's letter to, to Timothy. And here's what he says. <coughs> he says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. He goes on and says, 
By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience, get this, true life. And so this, this passage ta- starts out and says that, we're, that Timothy is supposed to teach people this. Now, this word teach is not necessarily talking about information. And, and we're really good in the church about just gathering information and just filling our minds with a lot of church stuff, a lot of Bible stuff, a lot of truth. This word teach is not really talking about that. It's really talking about a calling. It's like it's about transformation, not just, not just knowledge. And so this is for us that this message today is not just about us gaining more information, okay? You can go to school for that. This is about transformation in our lives. So here's what I want to do. I want to play a little game today, okay? Let's get our imaginations going a little bit. And I want you to imagine that your phone rings. And you look at it, and it says, God calling, okay? First off, you going to answer it or not, okay? I don't know. I'll be a little scared. <clears throat> so you answer it. And God says, hey, I'd like to go out to dinner with you. I made reservations at this fancy restaurant. Meet me there at 6 o'clock. Like, all right. <clears throat> Hang up. Now you're super worried, okay? You're worried about what's going to happen. Can't figure out what to wear. You, f- you finally figure it out. You get to the restaurant. And they take you to the back to this special place. And God is already sitting at this table. And it's just enough room for you and, and God. And you sit down <clears throat> with him. And he says, hey. It's time for us to have a chat. You're like, okay, great. And God begins to share this scripture with you. Because this scripture is is for you. Because this scripture says that it is for the rich. And last week we talked about how if you're in this room or if you're watching online today, if you're in the United States of America, then you're in the top 5% of all the people in the world when it comes to wealth. So you and I are considered a part of the rich. And so to simplify this this whole passage today, I I think we could go down to just one statement. So if you're going to write any notes down today, you could write this down. This this one statement that might kind of explain everything that that this passage has to say, and it it is this. That true life, okay, the end we talked about true life. True life is this, is putting your hope in him, hope in God, and living sent. Okay, so let me, let me unpack that for you this morning. <clears throat> that God looks at you, you're sitting at that table, and he looks at you and says, do you really put your hope in me? He reads that scripture to you and says, do you really put, you the rich, do you really put your hope, all your hope, do you really put it in me? And all of a sudden, what appears at the, on the table is, all of your things, all of your stuff, all of your possessions, all the things that you've worked so hard for in this life begins to just kind of, kind of fill up the entire, entire table. And he asks, do you put your hope in me? Let me, let me go back to this, this passage, this passage in, in 1 Timothy 6. Here's what it says in, in verse 17. Again. It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. Not to be proud of something, their money or their their possessions. And it warns us to not make our possessions the source of our our pride. 
And you'd be like, well, that's not me, Clayton. But it is true. Like, we are very prideful of the things that we have. It's why when, we, when someone is about to come over to our house, we clean up our house, don't we? Like, we go crazy mode cleaning up our house because we're proud of it. It's why when you have a nice car that you like to detail it and get it nice and clean, if you're going to go on a trip or if you've got, you're going out to eat with someone or you're taking it somewhere where people are going to see it, you want people to, to see it in a clean state because you're, you're proud of it. It's why if you have a, like a brand new iPhone, no one holds that in their purse or their pocket. We kind of like to set it on the table so everybody can seize it. You know, hey, hey, guys, uh, I'm here at this meeting. Oh, that's my phone. Sorry. Yeah, you get that, right? Like, we, we, we're so proud of the things that we have because we think that in them that's going to bring us fulfillment. It's why, ladies, why you, you in the mirror, you, you put on your, your jewelry and you get it just perfectly and nice and neat because you're proud of those things. It's why when you're, your kids, you're taking your kids to school and they say, hey, mom, dad, just, just drop me off like two blocks from, from school when you're in like that, that beat up car. It's because they're not proud of that, right? Like, they're not proud of that. They don't, they don't want you. My, that's the story of my life, okay? Like, my kids have done that to me. They just drop me off, okay? Um, and it's because we, we're not proud of the things that, that you have. It's why when, when you're going to, like, a tailgate, it's the difference between taking a, um, like, a, a squeaky cooler, you know, you drag a squeaky cooler, the wheel's broken, and the, the little thing that holds all the, the water is like broken off, and so it's leaking everywhere. You, you take that to the, to the, to the tailgate. It's, it's that compared to bringing in the, the nice Yeti cooler, you know? And you like, you swing that big thing around, you just kind of boom and throw it down. Those things are super heavy, like five, $600, crazy amount of money for, for, for a cooler. But it's a difference, right? We're proud of one thing, and we kind of like to hide things that we're not proud of because we're, we're proud of our stuff. And there's a warning for us to not be proud of those things. But when our love for our possessions um, outpaces our love for God, then we find pride in those things. And my question for you today is this. Do you recognize the pride you have in your stuff? Not only are we not supposed to be prideful, but look what this verse also says. It says we're not to trust in our money. We're not to put our trust in our things either. And when we say we don't trust thing in, in, in things, I don't think that's actually true because as soon as the idea comes into your brain about giving some of your stuff away, there's like this an emotional thing that happens. You're like, oh, no, I can't get rid of that. I can't, I, can't get, I can't get rid of that thing because inside it makes me feel good having those things. I get it. In this room, there are hoarders in this room, right? I mean, I know it. I, I don't know who you are, but I know that there are hoarders in this room, that you have a garage full of stuff, okay, that you don't use anymore. You have, you have spare bedrooms full of things that you don't use anymore. You have, you, have, you have attics full of stuff that you don't even know what you have. And some of you, like we talked about last week, you have... You have self-storage units to hide all of your other things. You know what I'm saying? We love our stuff. And we're emotionally tied towards those things. But God looks at you across from that table and says, don't put your trust. And don't put your hope in your possessions. And he says, here's why. Look back at this verse. He says this. It's so unreliable. Right? Did you know that this is the only time this word unreliable is used in the entire Bible? And God reserves it for your things, okay? 
He reserves it for your possessions. He reserves it for your wealth and your money. He says those things are unreliable. Think about this. One day, that car you spend $700 a month for, that house you spend a huge portion of your paycheck for, those electronics that you're going to buy at Christmas, they're going to really strap your budget, but you feel like you have to have those things. The family heirlooms that you have hidden in your house that you just, you just can't ever think about ever losing those things. The newest purchases that you're about to get, all those things, even your very self, the thing that you spend so much time and energy going to the gym, trying to eat healthy, getting um, the best cosmetic surgery or, or fixing yourself up, getting your hair all done nice and neat. All those things are either going to be in the ground someday or they're going to be in the landfill. All those things are. And isn't that sad, right? All those things we spend all of our time and energy on, someday they will be gone. And that's why they're unreliable, Right? They're unreliable because someday they will fail you. So the Bible says that we should put our trust in something else. Here's what it says. Their trust should be in God. Trust should be in God. Why? Because God is, he is different. I love what 2 Timothy says here in this next um, passage. <coughs> it says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Talking about God. For he cannot deny who he is. What it's saying is that God is God. He doesn't change. And he will always, always be faithful. And I think one of the reasons why we, we turn towards other things, why we turn towards the accumulation of stuff or the accumulation of a, a great job, a great career, a great retirement savings account is because we forget about the reliability of God. We put all of our hope and trust in those other things and we forget just how much God is, has been there for us. I mean, think about that. I think it's a, it's a good thing for all of us to do every once in a while is to remember what God did for us. You know? Not only did, what he did on the cross, Jesus dying for your sins. But think about all the times where you prayed and he showed up. All the times you, figure, you realize you, there's no way out of this. And he... He made a way, you know? We forget about, we, we quickly forget about those things, and we begin to put our trust in other things. Last week we had our business meeting. I, I was nervous about it, guys. There's a lot of change happening. People are upset about some things. As a pastor, and I'm grieving. I'm, 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 I'm struggling. Well, like anxiety, just be honest with you. And lots of prayer last week. Staff, literally on our, on our knees, praying to God to show up and to guide us through all of this. And, man, he showed up in that business meeting. It was awesome. Not many churches can say they had a two-hour business meeting and they walked away feeling more unified. But that's happened twice this year with our church. God is up to something. And I remember I was driving home that, that night a week ago, and I was just praying, and I just said out loud, I said, why do I even doubt you? Like, I was like, God, why do I even doubt you? I mean, you've shown up time and time again, and I'm over here worried about what's going to happen. Like, you're in control. And we should put our trust in him because he is reliable. So back to this, this one statement that kind of defines this passage today is true life is, is putting your hope in him, that's what we've been talking about, and living sent. 
What does it mean to live sent? Because the Bible says that true life is when you live sent, with this idea of being on mission. This is what this next verse says, verse 18. It says this. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. This is so practical. There's, there's tons of practicality in this. You may be already thinking of ways that you could use your money to do good. But it's talking about using your wealth for God. It says, do good and be generous. So how, how do you do that? Well, one of the ways you can do that is just, quite frankly, to give to God's church. If you're a regular member of this, of this body, man, my call for you is please give to the church. Be a part of what God is doing. What a, if you're wondering about using your wealth for, for good, using your, your money to, to help um, the kingdom of God and using it for God, man, the best way to do that is to give to your local church. It's the way that things happen. Another thing you could do is volunteer your time. Do you have any margin in your life to even volunteer towards things? What do you use your time every week for? Is it just for you or is it for other people? How much time do you spend every week just in entertainment? You know, talking about having some margin in your life. Could you take some of the, that entertainment and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of that Netflix account for two months and see what happens. Will my life be ruined? <laughs> Would I maybe have some extra time to spend my time on other people? Maybe it's volunteering with an organization. Maybe it's just volunteering in your neighborhood. <laughs> maybe it's just going over and spending time with people who are hurting and struggling. And need God in their life. And God is saying, I've put you right there for that to happen. We have filled up our schedules and we've got nothing left with our wealth because we spend it on everything. What if to do good and to be generous, what if we blessed someone else with a, a gift out of our abundance? Why do you have two lawnmowers in your garage? You don't need two lawnmowers. You're hanging on to that one because you're going to fix it someday or whatever, right? Or you might use it or something. Some of you have cars that just sit there because you don't need it, but you got it. Some of you guys have spare bedrooms, closets full of clothes that you're never going to wear again. For me, I've got an attic, up in my attic, like I told you last week, I've got, I found boxes of shoes. What am I doing with those? <laughs> what if we gave those things to people? I believe that there are things that we are storing right now out of our abundance that could change people's lives. Just with us in this room. It could literally change a family's life. And we're just sitting on it, right? Being comfortable with what we have. And here's the key. It says this, always being ready to share with others. We're supposed to do all those things, do, do, do good, to use our money for God's purposes, and always being ready to do that. That's where this idea of contentment comes in. Like if, if you aren't content with what you have, you're always going to be chasing after more. Does that make sense? And if you're always chasing after more, you're never going to be ready when God comes knocking. 
When you sit across the table from God and God says, I need to use you. I want to use you. Are you ready? And you're like, I'm, all my money's got, got a name on it. All my stuff is mine. I can't, I can't think about losing that thing or, or leaving that thing behind. My schedule's so full, I have no time for anything else. It's where contentment produces margin. And then margin allows you to say no to some things so you can say yes to God. And then you're ready. Man, it's like you're walking around saying, God, how are you going to use me this week? You know, I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm saying no to some things. So I got a little bit extra money to set aside this week. How, how can I be used? Right? And just see what God does. Maybe amazing what could happen through your life in other people's lives if we'd all do that. And so you're sitting across this table from, from God. And I believe for all of us, like the idea of sitting across the table from God is kind of crazy, but there's this idea to see God face to face, isn't there? I mean, I would love to just stare in his eyes and just talk to him. I'd probably die instantly, right? <laughs> but, but being in his holiness, right? But, but like this idea of seeing him face to face. But I want you to imagine all that stuff that's on your, on your table. It's not just on the table, but it begins to stack up. And it stacks up so high, you can't even see God anymore. And I wonder how many of us, that's how we're living life. Like we can't even see God anymore because we're just consumed by this American dream of having more and more stuff. And we've just piled stuff up like this, like this picture right here. This idea of having all these different things and, and pursuing um, entertainment and, and traveling and, and sports and all these different things that we, we give our, our lives to. And it begins to, begins to stack up. And I believe here's what God promises to those who say, you know what, okay, God, I want something different. I'm willing to change. I don't know what to do, but I'm willing to change. Here's what God promises. This is what he promises in Jeremiah chapter 24. He says this, I will give them a heart to know me, right, that I am the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. When you pray that, I believe God will begin to, to move in your heart. And I believe God will give you this, this burden, this searing in your heart. And give you this understanding, this truth. Okay, y'all ready for this truth? When it comes to your life, when it comes to your stuff, when it comes to your time, I believe this is a great statement that if we could all live by this, it'll change things. That God is the owner and I'm the manager on duty. Right? You go to the restaurant and you, you go and sit down and someone comes up and they don't look like a waiter or waitress. They look a little different and they got this name badge on them that says, you know, Clayton, manager on duty. I mean, you're like, oh, man, they're important. Like, they're in charge of everything at that moment. But they're not the owner, right? They're not the one that put up the money um, to, to build that sign out by the street. They're not the one that, that built the building and bought all the food and, and have, that, that paid for all the tables and everything. They're not the owner. They're just the manager on duty. And they are, they are there for a, a season. Look what Haggai says. Chapter 2 says, this, this is what God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, okay? What is God talking about here? God is saying it's, it's all mine, okay? I don't, God's not saying I own 10% of your income. He says I own all of it, 100% of it. All the gold, all the silver is mine. And not just your stuff, but your very self. Look what 1 Corinthians says. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and was given to you by God? 
You do not belong to yourself, meaning you don't own yourself. Someone else owns you, for God bought you with a high price. What was the high price? The blood of Jesus, right? Talk about a hefty price tag for your soul. And God says, I have bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your, with your body. Here's another statement that goes along with the first. That as the manager, I'm responsible and accountable to the owner. I'm responsible to God for my life. Using the things that he has blessed me with, even my very body, to, br to bring him glory, right? To honor him. Using my wealth, my position, my influence, my family ties, my job, my schedule, everything that I have. God says, you're responsible for that. You're like, you're like the, the manager on duty that you're only there for a short amount of time, for a certain, certain season. And God says, what are you doing with the responsibility that I've given you? And not only are we responsible, we're also accountable. That's a little scary. Okay, so if you're in this room and you say, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus, and I've, I've asked him to come into my life, and I've, I've asked him to forgive my sins, and I'm trusting him to be my Lord and Savior, here's the deal. You, you will not have to give an account for your sins one day. Thank you, Lord, right? In heaven, you'll be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, okay? When God the Father sees you, he's just going to see his son, okay? But... You will have to give an account for how you spent your life. Romans 14, 12 says that. It says that every single one of us someday will have to stand before God and give an account for our life. And God, it's almost like an audit of your life. God will stand in front of you and say, how did you spend your life? Let me see the balance sheet. What did you buy? What did you give away? Where did you invest? What did you spend your time on? I'll have to answer for that. So you're sitting across the table from, from God. You got your whole life <laughs> laid out in front of him. And the question is, how can you honor God with that? Let me, let me give you the, the final secret here. This is just... It's really profound. You ready? How can you honor God with it? Just be like him. <laughs> Man, just be. That's what he's saying. He's like, be like me. And how is God? One of the greatest attributes of God is that he is a giver, isn't he? He's a giver. Most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is that's an incredible idea that God first gave to us. And he says, be like me. This is what 1 John 3.16 says. You always remember those two, right? He says this, we know what real love is because Jesus gave. So not only did the, the father give his son, but Jesus gave his own life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Well, what does that mean? 
I mean, I have to die for my brothers and sisters? He says, here's, here's what I mean by that. He says this, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So when you see a need and you're like, eh, right? That's, that's someone else's problem. When God puts that in your life, he's calling you to act. The problem is we love to just have that feeling but not do anything about it. And he goes on and says, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. So what's the benefit to all this? What's the benefit for you? What's the benefit for me? Like you're saying, okay, Clayton, am I supposed to go in my closet and like take out everything and sell it all or give it away or whatever? Like what's in it for me if I, if I do something like that? What if I... What is in it for me if I have this idea of contentment in my life and I create some margin and I begin to serve other people and, and clear my schedule some so I can spend time serving the Lord and changing people's lives? Like, what's in it for me if I do that? What's in it for me if I say no to this thing I really want to buy? What's in it for me? Here's what the final verse in 1 Timothy 6 says in our passage this morning. It says this, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. Okay. It's talking about heaven, okay? It's about storing up treasure in heaven, not here on this earth, so that they may experience, and I love this, true life. Do you want to experience true life? Because there is more, guys, than just this American dream of accumulating wealth and retiring someday and then dying. God has more for you. He died for you for more than just that. He wants you to experience true life. What is that? Come back next week, okay? <laughs> We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to finish, finish up talking about what it means to have this true life. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, we love you. I thank you for um, the gift of your son. You're such a great giver. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here in this room that has never received that gift, that they will receive Jesus today and trust him to be their Lord and Savior and ask for forgiveness of all their sins. And we know that you are faithful. God, you are reliable. You're reliable to forgive us if we will trust in you. And God, you're also reliable to give us hope. Give us something we can bank on, that we can live our life on. Something we can trust in, besides everything that's just sitting on our table. So God, I pray for everybody in this room, if they were to sit across the table from you, would they even be able to see you? What is the sum total of their life? Is it just the accumulation and the chasing after of things, or is it something bigger? And I pray, God, that it is something bigger. God, help us to be content with the things that we have. We are so, so incredibly blessed. And I pray that we would think of ways that we can be available and be ready to be used by you, to use the blessings in our lives for good and ultimately, God, for you. God, help us to break up with our stuff. 
and help us to renew a relationship with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, they're wrapping it up in the service, but I wanted to let you guys know that we at Central, we're super glad that you were here today. If you need prayer, you can just email us at prayer at cbcawaso.org. And if you're wondering when is a good time to come and be part of the service, come in person, uh, let this be your invitation right now. Uh, we'd love to see your face, or even if you just wanna comment something, we'd love to talk to you. And remember, here at Central, we're a church where Jesus changes everything. See you next week.